0: okay
1: let's get it started
0: let's get it started in here let's get it started in here let's get it started get it stupid get it done get it started. <laughs> welcome back we getting started in here we getting started in here we back in the pod in Roots here
1: control body and soul
0: you always say that one what is the- what is that?
1: The only part I know from
0: that song That's, uh, okay Well, we're not here to talk Black Eyed Peas, dude I'm sure? I want to I mean, in a source, that's kind of horrific But, and Fergie is also in a horror movie Fun fact Which one? She's in uh, Planet Terror
1: Oh shit, that's right Yeah I haven't seen that in a long time Oh wow, that is right
0: yeah, I haven't doesn't seen that she, movie in a long she, time but either. She
1: dies, doesn't
0: she? Yeah, she gets her brain eaten. Oh, uh, nice. And uh Josh Brolin, early Josh Brolin right there.
1: What brain? Am I right, guys? <laughs> Am I right, folks?
0: <laughs> you won't ever see me again. I like that movie. They'll
1: never see me coming.
0: Um anyways, dude, what's up, man? Welcome back, listeners. Not what's much. up? W- welcome back, Caesar.
1: Yes, welcome me back.
0: Welcome, welcome you back. Listeners. You're back.
1: I'm back on the pod. You're fine. I'm back
0: on it. I'm fine.
1: I'm fine like red wine.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm hyped because it's finally that time of year, dude. The time of year we look oh so forward to. The time of sacrifices and... And rituals. Rituals. Animal mutilations. Possessions. Possessions. Gore. Um... You name it. We're here to lay it name out for it, you. have
1: it. We got it. You want it.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm hyped today, dude. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I don't give it. a fuck. I don't give a fuck about this podcast.
1: I don't give a fuck right now, dude. I'll talk about <clears throat> everything I like.
0: <laughs> but anyways, yeah. For you listeners, we're about to lay out some movies to get your spooky season truly in the spooktacular fashion. <laughs> Cue Dracula music. I want to suck your blood. Anyways, um, so yeah, let's get into some of these recommendations, dude. I'll go first. Um, It 1 and It 2, my favorite movies <laughs> of the last decade. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, dude, let's get into some of these actual flicks, man. I'll let you take the floor with your first uh, recommendation for these listeners out here.
1: So, the first one I'm going to recommend is uh, The Taking of Deborah Logan, Mm. uh, which came out in 2014 and is a found footage horror film. Uh, So, I know we did, uh, last year in one of our episodes, we did like a found footage episode where we talked about why found footage horror scares us so much, what about it is so interesting. We did,
0: huh? I forgot. Um,
1: I don't think we talked about this movie uh, as much, yeah. and I really wanted to because... Upon, I saw it only once before we mentioned it, and mm-hmm. so uh, for people who don't know, it's on Shutter. So if you want to check it out, definitely go check it out. I think it's really, really cool. And the premise of it is uh, very original and very realistic, I would say, as compared to other found photo tour films, because not only does it deal with possession, but it also deals with it in the context of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And for background my grandma had Alzheimer's so it's like going into (laughs) uh basically it is a weird sort of uh parasitic Mm -hmm. kind of relationship you have with someone who gets Alzheimer's because like they become depending on uh the stages right that they get to they can become very incoherent and hostile and violent at times um and my grandma Particularly to me, only uh, was like that, and would do certain things that would like freak me out sometimes. Um, and this movie just kind of reveals all of those horrors and those kind of um, fears that I had of my grandma, and just heighten them to a damn a, a demonic sense. Which for me, when I first saw it, even when I first saw it, it was in broad daylight, and I was terrified because I was like. Holy shit! This just this feels like like how I had my experience with my grandmother because it's, of how she reacted towards me. It's of course, fun. It didn't didn't go as far as it does in the film, but um, it's still creepy enough. because yeah. you're literally watching a person. It's it, it, that is a, a form of possession, right? Because you forget everything about yourself.
0: You're the people you're around, yeah.
1: Of your body, you're not in control of your memory of your of your ideas, you just kind of talk, you exist as this shell uh, almost. So there is a weird relationship between that and position in general. And I think this film does it very well with um, centering the entire film on this woman, uh, Deborah Logan, who is like losing, slowly losing her mind. And it, these like PhD students or whatever want to do a documentary on the different stages that she will be experiencing. And throughout the course, they find out that it's not a natural sort of uh, Alzheimer's disease. It's more, uh, like, it's more uh, brutal brutal in nature, I would say. Like, it, like, uh, makes her excoriate. So, like, her skin starts shedding at one point. Um, And uh, she, like, starts getting these weird, like, wrinkles on her face and these weird markings. Starts losing her hair very rapidly and her brain deteriorates very rapidly, so we could tell there's like another uh, play that's making her, you know, go through this process so much quicker. And it turns out it's like this fucking possessed body of a serial killer who is well, inhabiting don't, her. Don't
0: spoil it just yet, dude. Let's just give people, the listeners a taste. Don't I mean, lay the plot out yet.
1: You'll find it out regardless. But the point is, you. I'm not going to tell you the end because the ending, I think, is the best part uh,
0: for mm-hmm. sure,
1: um, especially for a found footage. Hoard- found footage horror film because it's, a lot of times they'll hold it very close to the chest in terms of showing what it like how horrific the thing that they're really scared of is
0: yeah and an example of something that held off too much of that that i actually recently saw which is also a found footage film and we were actually talking about it was uh paranormal activity 2 wow mm. that movie's boring as hell dude i remember liking it back in the day thinking like wow this is cool like i like the canon behind these se- the first three series it's uh-huh. all cool but i watched it dude and it's just so dull dude nothing happens literally nothing happens and when the climaxes start to happen it's like oh you shut the shelf too hard oh my god <laughs> but
1: that one i think only had like the the one big scare for me was in the again in daylight when she's in the kitchen and all of her dishes just like blast out of the cabinets and stuff oh my god know, some, that freaked me out because like, i get I, it I, but I don't know my parents house had the same setup so i was i would always think about that
0: like back, oh fuck that suck. back to the taking of deborah logan it's funny that you related it to your grandma because i actually the first time i saw that movie i thought of your grandma too because i knew the dynamic you had <laughs> exactly and the way yeah. you lived with her and just like walking by the hall i'm sure you had like the door slightly open so you could just see her staring off into Absolutely. the Absolutely. and there's so many scenes like that in the taking of deborah logan and then for me the monumental horror part i don't know if you would consider this the same but in that film when like the, so the one of the, the filmmakers is like spying on her uh-huh. and she's if just she's sitting like,
1: in the mirror
0: and then she like catches the attention like she catches the attention of the filmer
1: Mm-hmm. And she just,
0: like, stares right at him. And, but she doesn't make, like, any demonic she face. Turn. Yeah, she, d- she just, like, her eyes just, like, glance but over. you know
1: that you're, like, <laughs> locked onto her. Yeah,
0: and you're caught. And you're uh, caught in her fucking glimpse. And that part scared the fuck out of me.
1: Absolutely. That's why I think um, that, especially the part with the uh, shedding of the skin, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, like, this specific moment I remember when we were at my dad's... Uh, uh, family's house like having uh, you know just like a party or whatever and my grandma's walking outside and this is my dad's mom and she um, she tripped right in front of me and I and I tried to like catch her in time and it was a small step so she she didn't trip very hard but the thing is you know when your skin when you're that old your skin is just so brittle that she barely hit the pavement and her arm just like almost peed, like a piece of it peeled off because Her skin just, like, you know, gave way from the abrasion. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and just being, like, oh, fuck. Like, I felt awful. And then seeing just this in Deborah Logan, it's so much worse Mm -hmm. um, because of why you find out it's happening. But it's also, like, she's just ripping every... She's doing it willingly, which is so much more scary. Which is so much scarier, like, Mm. from her throat at one point. Yeah. From her fucking forearm. Like,
0: Oh, the throat. I remember the throat now.
1: Uh, That was really hard to watch (laughs) when I first saw it. But now it's like, dang, I I really understand, like, this, you know, the realism of facing Alzheimer's in general and whether or not that does run in your family or if it's, like, genetic or, like. Yeah. It's it's kind of a mysterious disease, you know? It really is, yeah. It it is interesting to see it in a horrific fashion because, again, it is a horror to, like, Lose yourself completely and become this sort of husk. Mm-hmm. So nice, great film.
0: Um, so yeah, my suggestion we'll keep it on the found footage. This is a film, it's a little bit hard to find per se. I mean, it's not on Shutter, and I don't know if it's available to rent on Amazon. Um, but it's The Borderlands, which is also known as The Final Prayer, um, by Elliot Goldner. Um, and it's like a UK film. Do you know which film I'm talking about? Have you seen it? Yes. The church right? Yeah where the church is actually like alive and these two investigators obviously there's the one skeptic who goes to just make a documentary about it and then you have the ex-priest who I guess I don't remember the exact plot of it but or I don't remember his role in the film but it's obviously like an ex-priest and a skeptic and they go and investigate this church and then strange happenings start to happen throughout the the church the, the townsfolk actually seem like they're protective of what's going on inside of the church and anything really religious to me I find just really interesting and scary because I grew up with going to Catholic school my entire life and, like, just being, like, having to go to first, like, communion and stuff and just being in the halls and large monolithic churches, you know? Like, that shit just as a kid used to scare me too. So, like, when you introduce the idea of the church actually being alive and actually having, like, an essence that is, like, devouring people and just the townsfolk around them as another horror uh horrific element the which i fucking find terrifying
1: oh absolutely i think that one did really well with like making it so that you know you were focusing on this one aspect of it just being like a normal sort of paranormal investigation um and then it turns into like a grander yeah more uh like Like ripping open of reality, sort of. Yeah. uh, Which is something I think that we come back to in horror a lot that we enjoy. Um, That is so like, it takes you. It it, like shocks you for a minute because you really aren't expecting uh, the to the extent to which they immerse themselves in this mystery and stuff. And um, I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, it just plays out really well. I mean, that's also a film that doesn't give you too much throughout it until kind of the climax starts to come unfold but compared to like paranormal activity i just i just think it was a better written, written story and a much better tempo than a paranormal activity film which gives oh, you no absolutely thing. yeah so that's uh I mean, the,
1: the ending kind of explains everything though that's what totally I'm saying. Like, yeah it sets you up for this mystery and then it ends up being explained and you're like holy sh-. like that's horrific proportions you know taken to these extremes that you know like really like kind of Like I said, like rip your consciousness, rip Mm -hmm. your reality.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, And then just a quick note I think we mentioned it, um, but I also just always enjoy watching this film. Um, We don't have to get really into it, but I just wanted to bring it up because it's kind of the same concept. uh, As above, so below. Not necessarily the scariest of films are also the best, but I just really, really like the storyline and like the whole concept for them even going into the catacombs in France. Just it's like I always said it was like a, like a, if Indiana Jones was like a horror movie or something. But uh another little side note suggestion for you listeners to check out this spooky season.
1: Um yeah, that one in Hell House LLC. Good companion
0: films, I would say. True, yeah. I, I didn't know Hell House is a series of three films.
1: I don't I don't know if they're done by the same person. I'm not sure. I think sure. they
0: are, yeah. I was looking okay. it up, yeah. But that, I I did like really Hell House. Bad. Hell House was cool. Yeah, it's also like that movie. Like it's not necessarily the scariest, it's just well made and a cool concept.
1: Definitely a cool concept <clears throat> with very minimal. You could tell, like low budget sort of. Oh yeah, filmmaking gives you a really good idea of what you could do with just gen like generic props and yeah, a s- generic true. setting even.
0: Right, right. It's a good point. So, yeah,
1: really good film. Um, next one I say we get into is definitely one that I've been really excited to talk about and see, uh, which is <clears throat> the film Loose, mm, which yeah. just came out and uh this is a horror film that premiered i think it premiered at some film festival in like a
0: berlin film festival i think
1: and which makes sense because the director is german so uh but the just having to wait for something like that it really sucks because you know it's going to be good and like everyone already who wants to see it has seen it and they're talking about it and it's like god damn it just
0: fucking come over over. here get released Uh over here yeah
1: so, yeah, so *Luce* is a film that kind of takes the the genre of possession and demonic possession to a very strange sort of art house, uh, exploitive, reminiscent of 70s, 80s horror genre films mm-hmm. um, and kind of melds it all together into a very, very unique, I would say, horror film that is only a minute and like ten... An the, hour and ten minutes. An hour and ten minutes.
0: Yeah, it was supposed something. to be his uh, thesis film. I was reading. Um, oh wow! Okay. Perfect. So he only—he never intended it to be a feature film. Um, but when he actually presented. Uh, like hid the first initial script to his professor at the time. Uh, he was like, "This movie's not going to be thirty minutes. Like you know that, right? Like <laughs> you need to extend it at least to forty-five to 50. So that's kind of how it. That, I mean, it's so it's such oh, a, ti- a such a tight movie, you know? Like tighten the, the the time span of it. Yes. Um. So kind of you can kind of tell that he had no intention of like making it expanding upon these characters in the film. That's why it kind of just like I feel like it's very abrupt in the way that like the different segments of the movie play out.
1: Oh, it's definitely broken uh narratively, which makes it more of like a like a dream sequence or almost like like you're possessed while watching it because there is a certain element to it where it do- like the time doesn't make sense, like I was telling you the story yeah. kind of folds in on itself where it becomes very like singular to that moment and it's like again, it, it's so broken in <clears throat> that narrative structure that it does make you feel like you're like, like like obviously like you're disoriented of something yeah disorienting and also just like sensory overload mm-hmm. much like i feel a possession would in you know in theory take place in and or take it
0: place kind of reminds me too of the taping, taking of Deborah Logan in that like it grounds this supernatural concept to like the hypnotism of it because in that way she is possessed by the guy before even actually being possessed by the supernatural force like the guy The psychiatrist in the film uh, possesses, I guess if you want to say, possesses Luce through hypnotism to recreate this evening that they're investigating too. So I thought that was badass. I mean, the whole concept of just her like doing a monologue and (laughs) playing out all the characters that she came across in her evening. Yeah, definitely. was so badass. Like I've never seen anything done like that.
1: I've never – I mean, the way that – because it's just, like, such sparse uh, setting, too, and Mm -hmm. um, everything's filmed very, like – I love all the wide angles that he has. It reminds me a lot of Cronenberg's uh, early work, to be honest, Uh, especially of, like – if you've ever seen, like, Shivers or – Or um, I guess like even video drum too, like even with the music and stuff, heavy synth Mm -hmm. and just like these heavy like piano chords and stuff.
0: I loved. I don't know if you caught in the the intro the whatever one of the film production companies. It was like a like very like Giallo logo. Giallo, yeah. Yeah, with like the stabbing and like the bright colors and like the mute the uh, like robust music. Yeah, that was badass. I was like, I'm already in. (laughs) Like whatever this Um, was.
1: It's just like it really ropes you in in a way that it. Like, it even starts in a way that's hypnotic, too, because it starts with the three count of sound and then title cards, and then the film starts, and you're just kind of in this lobby or whatever, and it's a very, like, uh, muted, colored lobby. Like, everything is almost, like, dulcet tones, you know, And, um, and then the main character walks in, and just that whole sequence of, like, it's, like, it has a very glacial pace, so... Everything moves very slowly in yeah. some of the scenes, but you're just so drawn to them because of the way that they th- those wide angles just like lets you capture uh, uh, an entire setting and yeah. an entire aesthetic, and then the music itself just lets you pay, like it lets you meditate on that image
0: yeah and then he i noticed he used a lot of long shots like slow slow like slow yes slow pan in slow push-ins yeah yeah yeah. and like complemented with the music yeah it really like entraps it it hypnotizes you kind of like your eyes are just sort of centered on one little focal point of the scene Mm -hmm. and it's slowly slowly starting to close in on itself so you're kind of like more entrenched in what's going on in front of you
1: absolutely and like yeah, that's also, like, a very carpenter thing, too, I would say, is, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, having these very big shots, but centering it on all the action in the middle that you can focus in on. Yeah. Or your eyes just directly do that because we're just naturally attuned to that centrifugal image.
0: And also, you know? I mean, it, to me, there. I mean, I always relate so many movies back to this, but to The Shining, like, a lot of scenes like that in The Shining oh, are totally. like big halls from when they're in the hotel. And then slowly closing in on like Danny playing like with his toys or just him traveling around through it. Exactly. It really tightens like you in. Like
1: when they um with and loose when she's like sitting in that hallway and she's reciting that chant at the incantation yeah. basically. <laughs> And it's just again like a very slow push in on her. Yeah. Um. And then the detectives come out, and then it just like the edit just jumps you right to her. Right. You know. And I love that those sorts of moments because again, it's the kind of editing and the kind of cinematography uh, that you don't see in every horror film nowadays. Yeah. Like it's it's very. Uh, it's just such a, a great amalgamation of all these different genres and
0: elements that, like,
1: it, the film looks like it could have come out of the 70s or 80s. Yeah, I and think fit he fit shot perfectly in that time.
0: He shot it with a 60 millimeter. It
1: okay, I thought it, it had to have been. Yeah.
0: Because,
1: but even the setting, the colors he mm-hmm. uses, the yeah. like, the clothing, the out, uh, everything is just everything. perfect
0: it really is a perfect film and i enjoyed it a lot like i mean and now i feel like modern horror is really making a good comeback too like you have like it and all these other stupid movies like friend request and oh my god i watched fucking truth or dare over the weekend (laughs) the fucking dumbest laziest fucking movie i've ever seen dude and it's just like these movies get huge get budgeted for so much money or put in like regional theaters you know like edwards and shit Uh uh-huh and then you have these indie films just coming and fucking trouncing the shit out of them for a bomb ass horror. yeah just literally killing them as a great horror film but there's so many they they go so unnoticed you know
1: absolutely and it really sucks because like the the horror like genre in general is just you know, inflated with so many, bi- like yeah. bi- either big budget or low budget, no room for creativity. It's just give me the blood and gore. Don't tell us why you're showing us these images. Just like kill people.
0: You right, know? right.
1: Um, it, and this film, Loose, reminded me a lot of this other film, which is on Shudder. And it's more of like a queer horror film, but the use of music and um, hearkening back to a 70 80s genre style. Uh, also very like Giallo-influenced. Mm-hmm. It's called Knife Plus Heart, and mm-hmm. it's by this uh, this guy named Jan Gonzalez, who's part of a band called M83 or something like that. Oh, and, cool. I, I think he does the music for it as well. Nice. Um, it, it's a fucking That's a cool name for a
0: movie. Film. Knife Plus Heart? More, a Knife modern plus film? Heart.
1: Oh. Modern film, yeah. Okay. It came out actually in 2018 as well. So I that, gotta check Knife that out. Knife Plus Heart and uh, Lou's kind of coming out at these same times like we're talking about in a horror kind of renaissance if you will yes and um i think that we need more of these films being made that are like very exploitive of the genre in general but that also have like a very strong Comfortable voice that and a un- in an
0: authentic, like unique noise. Like it's not being too kishy, like trying to just make this like timepiece film where they just use elements that everybody Absolutely. loves. Like,
1: but it, I think it's also like be, again, like <clears throat> being comfortable in that. Like, right? You can tell when someone's using that to just make it look cool, and someone yeah. who actually feels comfortable
0: recreating like it, depicting this
1: style for a reason. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. Um, it has
1: an ideology that's very strong.
0: Totally and uh side note also for the listeners if you guys don't have shutter on your amazon prime do yourself a favor and go start a free trial from that because you will there's fucking up yeah you're fucking up and there are endless not endless but there's a huge amount of great movies you can just dive into for there um so yeah i made loose great recommendation film of the year relatively cheap too yeah not film of the year one of the top five i would say of the year for horror films um because obviously, Midsummer was up there for sure. For at least for me, um, I think Mandy came out this oh, yeah. year. No, it came out last year, huh?
1: No, it came out last year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was a film. But um, just, let's sticking around the the realm of modern horror, which I actually this is a film I haven't even seen yet because it's not out. And I'm no, you're hyped for it. Um, The Lighthouse by Robert Eggers, yes. who also did one of my favorite films, The Witch, which is also obviously a recommendation for y'all listeners to go see that movie. Oh, yeah. Because it's been on Netflix for forever, so who knows when it's going to get taken off. But you need to go see that movie. And I'm really hyped for The Lighthouse, dude. I don't know what to make of it, really. Like, is it going to be a supernatural horror film? Is it just going to be, like, this? These just these two characters? Like, what what's going on in this film?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I like all the new trailers that they're teasing out for it uh, that make it – there's just, like – Again, like, this black and white style, you yeah. don't see a lot anymore either. So it, it definitely gives you a, uh, an arresting feeling of, like, being drawn to whatever drama is going to ensue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really exciting, first off. And it, looks, it just looks beautifully shot.
0: right? It and then like...
1: you have two grade-A actors, I would say, like, in their prime at this moment. Do you Robert get the Pattinson? future
0: Batman. Yeah, I mean...
1: <laughs> Forgive him for the roles that he has done that are shitty, but <laughs> the other ones that you know, he's cosmopolis with Cronenberg, high life with Claire Denis that just came out, which I highly recommend as well. Um, even just like the the low budget films, Lost City of Z that he was in too. He's just, I think he's. He was in the
0: Lost City of Z. In,
1: yeah, he's one of the like scientists or something or, oh, yeah. or archaeologist that goes on the trip. Damn. Um, but he. Which is by James Gray, who also did Ad Astra, which is funny, ironically enough, uh, which is another space movie starring Brad Pitt and not Robert Pattinson, because Robert Pattinson was in a better space movie. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, you have Robert Pattinson, who is obviously, you know, he can hold his weight. Willem Dafoe, who's been in fucking cinema God knows how long, and has played some of the most <clears throat> iconic roles and just like, He's just – he got that sinister look to him that's – He really does. Like, (laughs) I love seeing on on screen. Um, So I'm I'm hella excited about this movie. And I was going to talk about with – there was this, like, random image I saw on Twitter uh, about using this old technique of – with black and white horror films or films in general. Mm -hmm. uh, To make these radical changes in light, they would use, like, a color filter – and then slowly remove it. And as they removed it, either like the makeup would expose itself to the light or dark or shadow, you know? And so you can make someone look like they're coming from, from death to life because the makeup wouldn't be shown after the color filter is put on. You oh, know? Yeah. So it's interesting. So like, it's just like a weird, interesting technique that they use. So anyway, for one of those images, it was from this film called The Octopus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this image looks really strange. So... I looked up the film, and it's this 1937 comedy mystery film produced by Warner Bros., directed by William McGann. And the premise of it reminded me exactly of what the lighthouse looks like. Looks like it's going to be, uh-huh. and the fact that it has the octopus in its name, and I guess the octopus is, uh, I guess the octopus is a master criminal in this film. Uh, so the film takes place around these two characters, Herber and Chenkins, who play two bumbling detectives who in pursuit of a master criminal, the octopus find themselves inside a haunted lighthouse full of suspicious characters, including the titular character who huh. appears to be an actual octopus.
0: Interesting. That does sound a lot like what the lighthouse is going to be about too.
1: two characters, bumbling detectives, as we can see from the commercials themselves, they're definitely bumbling, but yeah. they're not detectives, they're just like drunkards, it looks like. What,
0: and it sounds like uh, one of them is on the run, too, from the way it seems.
1: One of them might be a criminal. Yeah. Robert Pattinson might yeah. be, actually. Yeah. So that's why he's there. He's hiding out. And then you have the octopus, which we which has been featured in every trailers, uh, being in a lighthouse, which is probably haunted with suspicious characters that are about which we will probably see I, don't, I want to check it out so bad because i just want to know before seeing this film if it has any inspiration or if it has <coughs> anything to do
0: with it looks That's like it's cool. on a on a youtube for if you want to check okay, that no, out
1: we should check that out
0: yeah definitely that definitely seems like a film to check out right before the white house that's interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see where the lighthouse because I looked at the IMDb for the cast. There's only three people casted in it, so we'll see what the oh, fu- wow. yeah. There's Robert Pattinson, Willem Dafoe, and then some mermaid character.
1: So the mermaid suspicious character, but the seagull. We've already seen that Robert Eggers has used animals, animals as a yeah. sort of recipient for demonic
0: mm, forces.
1: Yeah, uh, with the witch being the rabbit, and now we have the seagull um
0: the Rabbit and black phillip
1: and black Philip. yep
0: let's talk about the witch a little bit dude how how amazing that film is
1: yeah i mean robert eggers is coming around in a time i think where he's like very comfortable in his own skin he does a ritualistic uh period piece that is like very like it it's very. It looks very historical to me. Every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, He. I feel like they got all of this
0: down. Yeah, well. I, I was reading the way, that, like, the set design. They actually used, they only, for the costume designs and the set designs, they used materials that were actually available in that era, in the 18th century. Oh, wow. To okay. make it look even more authentic. Like, anything that, anything that was more modern is because it was out of their budget and they just were on some sort of time constriction. But every single from the, the barn that they build up and just their outfits is all materials that were from that, that era. Wow.
1: That's yeah. Awesome. That's crazy. Right. And I mean, just the, again, the cinematography in that film alone mm. is so beautiful and it's very reminiscent of just like the force being both this very nurturing, very, uh, uh, maternal, f- like, uh figure you know yeah in the film but then it also being having this power to corrupt and destroy um because it's like you're setting in a period where these people are moving to a land that is not of their own they're very weary of the the natives who live there because they're obviously invading their hometown so they would be particularly violent to their the settlers right yeah and so they leave the homestead and go off to fucking find their own I love, land and like, stuff. That's like the that's literally traveling into the unknown.
0: Yeah, literally the they literally the unknown of America.
1: Exactly.
0: I love that uh, talking beautiful. about the, the cinematography. I love the the first scene of that film when they're on trial with the settlers, uh-huh. and and that you get that shot of the townsfolk, and then you get that shot of like the pilgr- the main pilgrims and just their hats, and like they just look so menacing and just like unforgiving. Do you oh, know what totally. I'm talking about?
1: Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. And that's when they're judging them, right? Yeah. Is it that one?
0: I cannot be judged by false Christians. Yeah.
1: <laughs> lo- uh, and then I mean, that even that sequence when they're traveling to this other place and he does just those like landscape shots. Yeah. Those are just they look like they're painted. They really do, yeah. So very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, remind me a lot of this fucking painter named Turner or something. But if you look at it like the naturalistic Uh, paintings that he does Mm -hmm. it's it's almost similar those very Mm. golden brown hues and the blues and stuff just melding together just beautiful
0: um beautiful movie all around the score very horrific very horrific um, i mean i've heard i've uh, talked to a lot of people too like they some people just you either really love that movie or you just can't bear to sit through it too because it is like at at first glance and first viewing it is kind of hard i mean i guess to like not the average like cinema guy it would be hard to kind of like pick up the dialogue in that film because it's very like old century the script is like an old they speak in oh, their totally. old century tongue yeah so it's hard to pick up what they're saying but when you really like when you watch it as many times as I've, at least we've watched it it's very easy to like pick up what they're talking about
1: i mean i i do remember being kind of frustrated in the theater and being like fuck like i wish i caught whatever that was supposed to be. but that made it all the more terrifying because it's like you really felt like you were watching this historical moment in a period that like haunted and plagued the family. So mm-hmm. it's like, a f- they're not going to bend to the audience's will of like having them understand it. It's yeah. like, it makes sense that they're going to do s- things like that to make it more of the times. and
0: make
1: oh, 100%. It yeah. And real and terrifying.
0: Yeah. Thomason, Love that movie. Thomason. And it just says, as soon as they hit the forest, it just like ropes you in. Like, talk about a monumental horsing. Mm-hmm. It really comes at you <laughs> from the start with the spoiler alert. The film's been out for a while now. Um, but when the baby gets robbed, dude, and just that whole scene with the witch and <laughs> her hand yep. just like putting it on the baby's stomach and just pulling out the knife, and then cut to her just like. Even
1: look- the way that film is sh- or that scene is shot, like when she's like rubbing the stick and stuff. Yeah. And, like, it's all shadow around her except mm-hmm. for like the moonlight that's glowing. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And just People like, so terrifying. The
0: first time, a, the first time you see it, you also, it's kind of even hard to make out like what's even going on too. But then you start to see her, she's just like <laughs> fiddling around in this like tube, smashing this baby more and more, just like sc- just smearing it all over like herself. A
1: mortar and pestle basi- basically.
0: Dude. Yeah. And then she just starts to slowly like, and this is a, something that I didn't catch the first time either. Is like she starts to like uh, levitate and eyes too after that she completes the ritual, and then it just boom. Yes. Cut to the somber family. Yes,
1: I I love that. Love it. Love it. So uh, it's so good. And even just the part where Caleb finds the house.
0: Oh yeah. You
1: know, and I love that it doesn't show the house first; it just shows him coming out of the forest and seeing it. And you could just tell he's like mystified and scared at the same like he doesn't know what to think and then when it shows the house i remember just being like god damn, this kid's fucked and just like sure enough you get to see the witch and it's it's beautiful it's just so cool
0: yeah, that whole part, that whole scene with Caleb getting lost and the dog getting mur- murdered, <laughs> its oh, stomach yeah. cut open. Fucking poor dog. You get that quick glimpse of its just intestines out. And then yeah. you just see him just getting deeper and deeper into that forest, running into the voluptuous witch who just basically lures him I love the way in. that
1: they shoot <clears> him <throat> from his height. Yeah. And so when she's walking up to him, she bends down and, like, gets right into the camera. Yeah. And that part really, like... It's intense because you, he, I mean...
0: You just feel so I, helpless for him.
1: You, you do. <laughs> you like, know what's going to happen. And it's like, oh, poor fucking kid. Yeah, he just wants to see some titties. Yeah, that's he even wanted to see his sister's wanted. titty. Yeah, that's why he's corrupt by nature. Yeah. Remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he was sacrificed. He was doomed to sac- sacrifice because if we're going to follow the tra- uh, trajectory of Thomason being evil inherently... You know, then the first sin committed by her dad would have been removing them from their place of security. Mm -hmm. Their mom accusing her of like, you know, being this guilty. See, I don't think
0: that Thomason was evil from the start. I think that her the circumstances led her to turning away from God and being in a a state of desperation that she had no other choice really to just give herself over to this other force that was. Control, obviously killing everybody around her like what more could she do really
1: i don't think that i feel like she was sacrificing them
0: do you think she was like consciously sacrificing the, them
1: the witch is like a, a like a metaphor for her inherent evilness because that's the reason why like everyone is basically against her in a way it's like it's taking on these very like i think um these gender stereotypes I would say in terms of like her role being uh, fit as a woman to do these certain tasks so like she is almost like the lowest pedestal in her family uh, to be used for any which way like their dad is going they're literally talking about selling her off to another family and shit without her consent you know and it's just like people her family is constantly undermining her that's
0: why I think that I think
1: the witch is like her her it's like a it's like her her self her subconscious yeah her subconscious
0: yeah yeah i mean i I see i definitely see that interpretation too but i also think that like the inherent evil that was in all of them was just also part of what led her to just lash out and um yeah her whole family was just corrupt from the start like her dad wanted to sell her off her brother was attracted to her her mother resented her and just blamed her for everything her their kids are obviously are innocent but are in cahoots with this um other supernatural force too so i mean i think you could look at it both ways her you know her subconscious of dark her dark subconscious coming to life through the witch or also just the forces around her just not really giving her a choice and i think that's why it makes it a good film too because it really is open for interpretation too there is no real right answer of who the witch was in that film
1: yeah i mean it's open for interpretation like
0: we like you said
1: i mean it's just the way that the way that I think it I yeah the way that I saw it is just like that that's why she accepts it in the end because she can no longer deny that part of herself that was there all along whereas I feel like a normal person would have you know like tried to seek help or so, or like leave I don't know just where
0: like, would you go though? <laughs> they're in the middle of nowhere I,
1: don't I just I mean I don't know, I just, the way the way it, it's implied is that, you know, she was just, she was willing to give her family up to become this, like, you know, to evolve in a sense or become, like, this higher power. Which, again, is, like, the same, if we're taking both sides, right, it's, like, the same metaphor for the fours being this both nurturing and destructive force there you which go is yeah. what she is she's like this both nurturing and destructive force uh which i think is really i mean yeah just comes full circle
0: it really does come full circle great film <laughs> <laughs> uh listeners go check out that film um so what's next on your list bud
1: uh next i guess i wanted to um talk about something from or like one of the films from the zine Mm-hmm. uh that we're going to be making and hopefully putting out soon for everyone who doesn't know that now you know
0: um boom we're
1: we're making a zine
0: we're doing it yeah uh, so we good are going to s- we're yeah let's get into the zine a little bit actually of what we're kind of are planning to do where we're going to take it what our first issue is going to be
1: yeah so the we had this idea to do a zine on uh just like you know thing like as a good companion piece i would say to The podcast right now and also to just talk more in depth about the ideas that we're into and just gives us a chance to flex our writing muscles too, I would say, and our artistic muscles. Um, So the first issue that we want to put out is on the horror films that we love, like our, I guess our favorite horror films ever um and for me one of the ones that i put on there that i know is kind of like contrasting to your opinion so i think this would be a good (laughs) talking subject is antichrist by the director lars von trier um it came out a while ago I, i can't remember the date exactly uh but when it came out it definitely isolated a lot of critics and a lot of audience members from it um it got a lot of some people fainted at one of the premieres, some people like had to exit or they vomited at the more violent grotesquery uh that was on film but
0: yeah because there's like dick mutilation that goes on in there right
1: dick there's... mutilation uh female mutilation um you know violent sexual advances that are you know not i guess like not in the normal realm of what a relationship usually is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But what I love about it is that it's like, uh, it's definitely a horror film uh, because there are a lot of horrific elements. And then it has to deal with this idea of uh, nature being Satan's church, which is what uh, the character Charlotte Gainsbourg says um, in the film. And Willem Dafoe happens to be in this as well, which, of course, see another guy who's, like I said, just had a very long range in Mm -hmm. terms of cinema. But the film centers around this couple who uh, goes through a tragic accident. I, or not a tragic accident. They're fucking while their son gets out of his crib and falls out of, out of the window and, kill, and dies, unfortunately. So the film centers on the grief of that initial incident and how to heal from it or how to move past it. But throughout that healing process, we come to find out that it's a wider... Um, sort of atmosphere that has been created that is horrific in nature because you get the feeling that the wife or the mother had something to do with this kid's death. Uh, So they go to the forest, to this place, a cabin in the woods called Eden, uh, which is very conveniently named, I would say, because this film is kind of like a bastardization, I would say, of like Adam and Eve in a way. Uh, And the garden is replaced for the forest in this. Uh, The snake is replaced by the creatures, the three beggars, as he calls them in the film. Uh, And it's just a really good, like, like, tainted version, I guess, of what Adam and Eve is supposed to represent in terms of, like, being taught a lesson and the woman being corrupt, because that is a Bible story that has the woman corrupt by nature because she's the one... Who fucks up the entire uh position of adam uh yeah. of adam being in the garden and being in paradise you know she's the one who eats the apple thus she is the one who's condemned after you know in, in history so the film kind of uses those elements to make this really weird isolated chamber drama that has to deal with willem dafoe and charlotte trying to heal from this incident um and It features a lot of grotesquerie that we talked about, like penis mutilation and female mutilation. Um, But I think it is one of these unconventional art house horror films that we don't get all the time and is also worth reviewing because there are so many layers throughout this film. Um, And a lot of it stems from this idea of like, you know, men and women in this interlocking struggle to not only dominate each other but try and please each other to the fullest extent
0: Hmm. so yeah yeah your synopsis actually made me inspired to go watch the film again (laughs) because because to be honest like when i first saw it i probably saw when i was like maybe 20 because it came out like it was on Netflix for a while. It was on one of the streaming things for a it while. It was on
1: Netflix for a long
0: time. For a long time, yeah. And I remember watching it back then and not really getting the context of what the film actually was. And I kind of just picked up on the grotesquery of it and the pacing of it and didn't pick up on these underlining tones and the symbology between like the bastardization of Adam and Eve. Like I, You telling me that like makes me <laughs> really in- interested in the film now. So I'm definitely going to go back and revisit that film because do it. my I mean, initial thoughts were not the business
1: there's some real it again it's very layered he wrote this at a period when he was going through depression uh lars von Trier. so he kind of wanted to use his depression as a moment to like explore these very horrific elements that are part of depression i would say too and a part of like atypical grief that the couple then go through as well and um
0: Cute, mid-summer. So
1: it came out in uh 2009 actually and okay. uh what's Cool about it too is that they use very generic techniques as well. Because Lars von comes from a movement, a film movement uh, called Dogma ninety five or something like that. That's uh, that wants to um, have filmmakers go back to the very uh, old sort of technical aspects of filmmaking, like n- using practical effects, uh, using like film, using uh, natural lighting, things like that. And this one kind of steers away from it because he does use CGI in it to make a mutilated fox say "chaos reigns," uh, which is really, really a sick as part because Willem Dafoe is the one who finds it. Um, but in the there's this like underlying tone throughout the film, which is like this sharp, really piercing noise that he uh, has during the more horrific parts mm-hmm. that they created by taking a blade of grass and just putting it. Between your lips and uh, blowing on it, and it creates this like humming sound. Yeah, so they did that with a bunch of different blades of grass, you know, composed the, the sound with that, and then like you know, pitched it to a higher frequency that makes this very unnerving sound throughout the film. That I think is like such a great use of again, practical sound effects and uh, pract- just like experimental, I would say, to the point where using nature. To convert it to this more satanic nature. You know, you're using literal nature with a piece of grass and turning it into expanding wow. the meaning of it to this horrific proportion.
0: I'm starting to remember the film and starting to remember that sound a little bit too. That's interesting that they used the a blade of grass because I, 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 I can hear that sound of like grass being blown on your lips too. And it doesn't sound pleasant, I'll say that much. So if you have it in an amplified <laughs> atmospheric, sense where it's kind of just surrounding you throughout the whole film i can see how that's going to be really horrific so
1: it's and it's used in very specific sequences when like charlotte is relating back to the forest which is Mm -hmm. her source of fear and again is her her church of satan like it's satan's church nature equals satan's church and uh what's interesting is that she comes to this conclusion through her studies of historical genocides of women or femicides of women uh, mainly throughout like the medieval period when there was this very um, this fair struggle between man and woman as men trying to control woman and woman being subjected to the male gaze and to the male uh, authority that they would lash back, and you know, pe- men at the time were fearful of that. They they used to think women had these like Sikh panic. They were they were beholden to supernatural forces, unbeknownst to us. You know, like they were just naturally affected by this. And this is like a just like a historical context. Right. Yeah, and he uses that to put it in a postmodern time where, you know, generally women and men are equal on many fronts. And of course, there isn't there is still Uh, measures that need to be passed that make us more equal, like women need to obviously be paid uh, equal to men, but um, what he uses for this aspect is that, you know, the husband and wife represent those pieces of humanity. That's why they're called, the the characters don't even have names. They're Mm -hmm. just called he and she. So he represents man, she represents woman, and they're just these converging... These archetypes archetypes, yeah, that are, are are at a battle with each other, a battle of wits, a battle of dialogue, a battle of ideas, a battle of physicalities, Dominance, you yeah. know, everything. Man trying to dominate woman, woman trying to seek her revenge upon man for being dominated by, you know, it's, again...
0: You love so those relationship later, dynamics, don't you?
1: I fucking love them, because, <laughs> again, these are very real yeah. feelings, yeah. going back to, like, midsummer, right? Like, the couple the the feelings that the couple has towards each other and those very weird awkward moments of struggle in a public space heighten mm-hmm. the tension of what it is so that you're encompassing everybody which is like a horror film you know right. you're taking a scene heightening it to proportions that everybody can join in on and watch and be marvelled by but also horrified by you know so i th- i love when they have relationship dynamics and of course Satan, anything to do with possession.
0: And you love anything to me. You love anything to do with like sexuality and perverting it. Oh yes. Turning it into
1: bodily mutilation to you. And people just like, (laughs) I like the sort of, (laughs) the sort of like, there's a term theater of the absurd, right? Where you're just harnessing these primal instincts of yourself and and displaying them for people because again i think like sex and violence are very uh primordial to humans and our existence so why not use that as like a conveyor belt for you know for metaphor for ideology for like criticizing humanity
0: even you know like yeah because we're we're so driven sexually and so many of our motivations without even actually like being conscious of it like men are driven by sex no matter how you want to spin it you know and when and you per- violence at and time. violence Spinning. yeah and just dominance you know like the alpha exactly. like that is still very much our primordial nature like taking hold like trying so to shouldn't
1: we use, should we why should we be squeamish
0: right to seeing those
1: elements of ourselves displayed on like you shouldn't be afraid of those sides of you because totally. I think seeing them gives you a sense of, of, of revelation and a sense of relief because you aren't that person being displayed, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you are able to, that's that's the beauty of horror film, which I think we said in the second episode, this woman, Kira Jeunesse, who made this book, um, uh, Psychotic House of Women. Or oh, some, I man, think, I, I, I got
0: to get my hands on that.
1: Such a great and has so many good horror films. Yeah, their suggestions. But anyway, she says that horror is this perfect vehicle for experiencing death without actually having died, and that is a very cathartic experience. So why be afraid of that? Why? Why would anyone be afraid? Like (laughs) some, and that is sexual almost in nature too, because there is this sudden sense of relief when you get. And release, especially when you get scared, and then you realize, oh, I'm okay.
0: You you and literally I'm, climax, and then you're like, exactly. you you bounce yourself out. You get to this extreme heightened state, as you do when you're like in a in your a, in a sexual state too. Like you're at this heightened level that you're not really thinking as you normally would. And then once you finally release yourself, you're like, oh, like you have time to reflect and be like, okay, like I don't yes. need to be so fixated on this part of my brain right now. Like it's, I can kind of exactly. control myself more.
1: And like with Luce, like right in the possession scene with Luce when it looks like he's getting jacked off, the main guy, but it's not. And it's like he's just being possessed in that scene. Yeah. And that I love the music in that too, like the contrast with like the jazz where you can't hear it because he's in a bathroom. But the second he stops uh, you know, jumping around, he, it just like you, goes full effect. and blaring in your face and and then it stops again and goes back outside like the that sort of again that sexuality with possession with satanism with these primordial instincts absolutely die for in film and i think that <laughs> i i genuinely do look for them uh in film um another horror film i wanted to talk about is um uh this it's about it's a film about this guy who uh was in his apartment <clears throat> eating ice cream and uh this woman just barges in you know potentially a killer you don't know or or a thief mm. and uh unfortunately yeah the horror move the horror film ends with this guy getting fucking shot to death so uh no i'm just kidding actually we're talking about
0: <laughs> our reality
1: our reality here. This, we live in a horror
0: film. Yeah. So let's just defer real quick from the actual fictional horror and get into the actual, r- the real the horrific real horror. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that is pretty fucking frightening, right? This woman just barging into this man's apartment. And so for the listeners who don't know, Ab Amber Geiger, dumb name already. Um, Geiger, this was this happened a year ago. She was just on trial this a few weeks throughout the week. Um, she was on trial for like caesar said uh, barging into this man's home and dumping on him because she thought that he was an intruder who um was wielding ice cream apparently and that's how they rob houses nowadays so amber His
1: name was botham jean
0: botham jean way. yes um, yeah, she's fucking is the dumbest woman on the planet. I would say, um, Absolutely. luckily she had was found guilty, but she was only given fucking 10 years, 10 years. for some bullshit. Um, but what's, re- there's a lot of really interesting things about her that just make it seem more like she was out to kill this man of color. And about
1: the, the whole trial, I would say too, because there was some weird shit going on during that trial.
0: Yeah. I mean, just for, just to get into the weirdness of her, first off, um, I was reading that Botham Jean specifically put a distinctive like rug and a welcome mat in front of his apartment because of the fact that like so many people confuse their own apartments for someone else's because they're all, wow. they all look similar, right? You're just living in a complex, like any door, I, you're not paying attention. You get off on the wrong floor. Oh shit. What am I stepping on before I get in my house? A fucking rug. I don't have a rug. Bye. This is in my right room. Second of all, she tried to use her key it didn't work so unfortunately for Botham, you know his door wasn't fully shut so she was able to intrude into his home and fucking kill him so just those two facts alone her key not working and that there being a distinctive mark on his front door that would be like hey this isn't my 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 room or my house like maybe i should not just fucking barge into this place So that was that was fucking weird, too. And I was also.
1: never mind the the, and then when opening the door, finding that your apartment has been rearranged.
0: (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I I overlooked that. Yeah. And also, like,
1: pictures are no longer there. Nothing is there that you would reminisce of you having been there.
0: And just for the fact that he was sitting on his couch eating ice cream, like, in no way did he charge at her, I'm sure, or was any kind of threat. So for her to just pop off like that and just murder this man i mean this is the people who are supposed to protect us and i was like telling you like if she can't even protect her own neighbor why the fuck would i want somebody like this on the force and like let's be clear she's not the only person who is this unstable too and from what else what i was reading too like it was like a thing for her to share like racist memes and like they would always joke about black people amongst the force too like wow
1: surprising
0: surprise surprise right And then just what also made me really sick was just the aftermath of, like, the footage of her in the parking lot. I don't know where they were. It must have been the parking lot. But all these cops consoling her and, like, gathering around her and, like, her brothers in blue, like, taking care of her. Like, fuck that, dude.
1: I think one horrific aspect about it is, besides the actual event, uh, another horrific aspect of it is, like, the family being so... I don't know, just kind of like mentally traumatized and warped by this event. Yeah, that they have to go out there and say that they forgive this woman for killing their family member. Like some of them were doing that, and they were like bawling during this. And it's like, I would,
0: no, I would why not. Why
1: do we like?
0: Why? Why is the
1: society? We, would we expect that? You know, yeah. Like,
0: like why do we have woman, to forgive mother, everybody? Yeah, you killed my son. Like, why the fuck should I forgive no, you for being an I don't idiot? Want to forgive you? Yeah. Like, like, what reason do I, mean, I have to forgive you? <laughs> None.
1: And it's just because she's a white woman, right? Which is immediately going to draw sympathy for her. If it was <sighs> a white man, I could find that harder to believe. But the fact that it's a white woman, you're prone to believe that they would know better, or they right. have this this sense. About them that would make them better, but then again, fifty-three percent of white women voted for Trump, so they are his voting block. So, bye bye, bing bing. (laughs) You know, which is exactly what fucking happened. And
0: like,
1: (laughs) it is so, it's so fucking sad. It's really sad that, and again, this is one incident out of many that is probably going to get sentenced and actually get this. Or, I mean, got sentenced and got this woman to get a prison deal. But for the majority of people out there, they don't get the benefit of getting that, you know? Mm-mm.
0: Like, you probably get life for fucking shooting somebody like that if you were just a normal person.
1: Oh, totally. And my dad was telling me this past weekend about an incident uh, in Ontario. I guess he was saying somewhere over there at a Costco. Uh, this uh, mentally ill person was in a line for samples. And he was getting kind of aggravated, and he pushed uh, the dude in front of him, who happened to be an off duty cop who was carrying his kid in his hands. And uh, I guess this person fell to the floor or whatever. And, you know, there's like a little scuffle around him. And this person, the person who pushed him, started walking away. And this off duty cop takes out his gun and shoots this guy who's already 20 feet away and then shoots his parents who got in front of the cop to try and stop him what the from fuck killing their son so they killed his son their son and now these these parents i guess were in the hospital for you know being like critically injured and they're not going to uh, you know sentence this guy of course he's not going to face any sort of jail time cuz the DA Why? there said because the DA said that he because he was holding his kid in his hands that was a logical sense of endangerment, but it's like the guy was twenty feet away. What?
0: <laughs> and what by
1: then, he's long he's long gone.
0: And what it's causes serious. there? Like, why is it okay to just shoot people like that in
1: an open Costco? Yeah. You know how many people are walking around fucking in a Costco? And
0: especially in this day and age, too, when you have active shooters walking into Walmart and stuff, like you're causing even more of a commotion. Like I'm sure Absolutely. how many fucking people freaked out hearing gunshots and then you find out it's a fucking cop shooting this poor Off-duty man. Cop. Off-duty dude. cop? That's fucking bullshit, dude.
1: It fucking again, another just like horror film that we live in and is constantly being played out on our on our fucking newsreels, and it's like, do we even learn nothing from these films that are being put out? Like, seriously.
0: <sighs> we should make a horror film about cops.
1: You know what? I've been thinking about that. That would be really good.
0: I really would. Because we have be a lot really to say, good. and we have a very strong opinion about being fearful of these fucking
1: Oh, absolutely. Badge motherfuckers. Like motherfuckers, demonic cop or something, you know? Like, keeping it
0: 100 not even that I'm just thinking more like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer kind Uh, of style yes yes just a lunatic group or like a lunatic guy teaming up with this other lunatic like
1: yes something some
0: sort of concept like that
1: I can can definitely see that because I mean there's definitely plenty of films out there about dirty cops and shit
0: but I would also I do like I do like I do like the like satanic aspect of it too like that can somehow be the underlying motivation for them too but which,
1: which makes it more of like a metaphorical type of film that we could like play with a lot with all, a lot of other elements.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, like occultism for sure within the force. Yeah, like the
1: cult the force is a cult. Yeah. Like yes. And the the head of the force is like praying, you know, homage to this violent demon god who gets off on bloodshed or something. I'm liking it.
0: I'm really liking this idea.
1: That's a great... That is really good.
0: I like that a lot. <laughs> we got to get this in the works for a script or somehow.
1: Damn. No one do that.
0: No <laughs> one take that idea. No one's going to fucking take that. We have 10 listeners. No one's going to listen. No one's, gonna, <laughs> no one's smart. Our listeners are not going to be equipped enough to do that. But um, it's just crazy, man. Like, I mean, like, I mean, we we have had this conversation about cops a lot recently, too, because we know somebody who's been considering joining the force, and we've just been so adamant to telling him that's just a... A fake, a false idea to do, and you're not going to get anywhere trying to change the system from the inside, which is what they obviously believe. But yes, it's just like it's too systemic of the racism, just the force of dominance. The people that become cops too, like there's no way one person can change that too. And I think that, like, I always just think, like, who? Why do we really need cops nowadays?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just enforcers of. The status quo, right? And, like, maintaining poverty in some senses. Mm-hmm. Like, I get we might need them in certain aspects. If you have, like, a axe-wielding fucking crazy guy and Jack Nicholson is in your house wielding <laughs> an axe trying to get into your bathroom, yes, yeah, you should call the cops. But other than that, it's like, I don't... <laughs> Again, I just don't feel the need to to call them. A because I feel like most of the time I can take care of a situation on my own and like de-escalate better than they could. Oh yeah. And B a lot of times cops just aren't trained uh, for the for the experiences that they have
0: yeah I mean a lot of the times they're dealing with people who have mental illness too so they it's just that, fucking not get psychologists yeah not therapists they just, just fucking they get scared somebody acting erratic and obviously like if you can't even act like a certain way in a casual setting, Uh, i.e. this fucking person at Costco shooting him like how are you supposed to handle a crazy person who is uh, legitimately crazy and has like schizophrenia or something who is not trying to harm anybody intentionally just they're just messed up in the head. And then, like, if you put a cop in there, obviously they're trained to, like, defend themselves first, really. Because like, to me, that's what really cops do, right? Like, oh yeah, they're defending themselves first, and you're just lucky that you're on their side of defense, really, you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. they don't give a shit. I mean, like, I'm sure some, like, I'm not, uh, obviously we're speaking generalizations, because obviously some cops, like you said, do have something of, some redeeming qualities about them. But for the most part, the system that's in place, just it's just so out of date to me.
1: Yeah, to me too. I mean, I just – I don't care enough, I guess, about them or just like what they're trying to achieve, I guess. Like if they're even trying that, you know, like I I don't know. They just have such a monumental bad and evil presence on this world and that we just like why –
0: I mean I've just seen more –
1: looking up to them and like – Expecting them to do the right thing when they haven't.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've just seen more bad than good from <laughs> cops. Exactly. And, like, yeah. and that could also be a part of, the, like, you know, obviously the media has influences of that too. But when you just research down the line the history of cops, like throughout the 90s, the 70s, uh, it, just the history of cops, like, it's not just one uh, idea that's getting pushed in the media. Like, this shit is true. Like, this shit is fucking happening. And, like, mm-hmm. there needs to be some sort of accountability for cops too.
1: It really does. At least we'll get that today. Or, yeah, with Amber, that dumbass who fucking, again, I cannot stress this enough, walked into the wrong house and killed a man who lived there. Yeah. Because it was not her house, it was not her place of residency.
0: What a dumb bitch. Fuck her. Uh, Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. (laughs) Please fuck off. Anyways.
1: So, um, another horror film, going back to those, uh, that I think you, I, I want you to watch it to see, to get your opinion, um, is one called The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I watched recently, Mm -hmm. uh, and that one's on Netflix, and it stars Emile Hirsch, and, um, the guy who played, uh, where the fuck is that dude from? He's in The Succession, I know that, he's in that new show, but, uh, He's been a bunch of different characters. Brian
0: Cox. So there you go. Where, where do you know him from? Um, He is... Because
1: uh, I feel like they're, I'm blinking on a big thing that he's been in.
0: Uh, he's in Super Troopers. That's what I know him from. He's the... Ah, okay.
1: Yes, that is him.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's in The Ring. I don't remember him in The Ring.
1: He's in Troy as well.
0: Yeah, he's life. in Troy.
1: Okay. Anyway, so... Uh it's a film with Emile Hirsch and Brian Cox. Uh their father and son duo in this film. And it the film is like a, a sort of police procedural.
0: Oh, he's where, in the ringer. Sorry.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they play these two uh what do you call them? Corners. Corners? And they were yeah, and they receive a they receive a body uh mysteriously, uh has no markings on her. She was found in uh, the house of a dead couple in their basement uh, under all this dirt and stuff. And basically, the detective in charge of the case is like really weirded out by it. And so he brings the body to the the coroners. And so the whole film just takes place with them trying to find out what her cause of death was, which entraps them in this sort of uh, Hmm. ritual, basically, that I think... It's a really good mystery horror film, um, but has a lot of good, effective scares. And um, unfortunately, you only get to see what's haunting them once. But it's oh definitely really good. Is the like, guy who really did
0: uh, this is the guy who did a uh, Troll Hunter?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I've heard mixed things about that film from people.
0: From I had a roommate try and there. make me watch it, and he's like, "Dude, this is the scariest film of 2010." <laughs> And he put it on, and I was like, "I'm never taking a movie recommendation from you ever again." So please turn this off. Um, yeah, I'll check that out. I always see it pop up on my my queue. Um, yeah,
1: I haven't seen Troll Hunter, but I can vouch for this one at
0: least. You okay. Know? Um, one that I wanted to recommend that's more kind of in your face slasher film um, that I rewatched, which is also awesome, uh, fucking awesome. Also, kind of low budget, um, terrifier. By uh, Mm. Damien Leone, which is also part of a film series. Um, So there's two other companion pieces that are used uh, that use the same killer in the film, uh, Art the Clown, and uh, it's called the ninth. One is called the Ninth Circle, and the other one's called All's Hollow's Eve. Um, But just like I feel like the idea of a scary clown is so played out, but the way that they play, they make this clown. He genuinely looks fucking terrifying too and yes. just the gore in that film it's so over the top like a like an exploitation film almost like too. a like, b slasher yeah yeah and just the way it's shot it's really grainy and less it also like i just the low budgetness of it but still not being low budget um i really enjoyed that film a lot like there's this oh, one scene has, where <laughs> where the woman's yeah a woman's getting sawed in yeah. half i was
1: one of the worst kind of dissembling uh parts in the film like the uh, <laughs> what is what is the word for that when you fucking having stopping <laughs> yeah cutting a body in half I don't know what from
0: like the crotch from I the guess. crotch down yeah but it's really cool it's really horrific crotch down yeah, yeah the yeah. clown is scary as fuck you he just feel so helpless with him too he's basically the main character like he's the he's the type of character where you're rooting for the villain in that film these people yeah. are just kind of putting his way to just show the power that he has over them. Um, it's just a fun film to watch too. It makes me want to watch. The, I haven't actually seen All Hallows Eve or the non now the the Ninth Circle, um, but definitely want to check those out too. But Terrifier, Check that out. In your face slasher oh, yeah. horror film. Um, what else, do What else we got here?
1: Definitely like, genre period too. Like again, it, hearkening back to those like exploited.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Uh. The- Themes that we don't usually see a lot, because um, again, we're very squeamish about them too. You know
0: which themes? But um,
1: well, like getting seeing a woman getting sawed in half, oh right. down. down. Like, it's a very <laughs> violating scene. You know, like even me watching it, I felt like I had to do like a double take around the house to see if anyone was seeing that I was watching this because I felt like bad for watching it you know like <laughs> oh my god i should not be seeing this honestly wow. and i said i've told you this it's it's probably one of the hardest scenes to watch in a horror film I you think say. so that,
0: it just looks that, so like fake though dick she's just
1: mutilation like, uh, <laughs> i would say that one the dick mutilation in uh antichrist, in antichrist and the uh needles in um,
0: mm, that's another one I want to get into yeah uh, imp- in, uh, imprint
1: master of horror imprint uh, takashi mike's
0: yes in- so that's in- another one I wanted to recommend um yeah takashi mike's uh segment in masters of horror imprint goddamn dude
1: yeah the, the absolute unnerving section that you almost want to fast forward through because
0: it just doesn't it doesn't end the
1: sound design is extremely well done like yeah when she has the needle over her eye, and it, or no, 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 when it's going to go into her finger, right? Uh-huh. Um, which, for the listeners, is a torture scene of this poor young. Yeah, girl. so it's
0: about these geishas, this geisha house, and this traveler who is trying to find this woman that he said he'd take away.
1: RP to a real one. Yeah, that, like that guy, too. What was
0: that guy's name? Uh, what um, the
1: fuck is his name? He just died.
0: Yeah. Um, what, what was his name? Let's see. Uh, great. But anyways, yeah, it follows like him. God damn it. He's a traveler. What
1: the fuck is his name?
0: Travels to this. Uh, <laughs> you're it's gonna kill you, huh? Um, travels to this ge- this geisha house where he meets this disfigured geisha. What was his name?
1: Billy Drago.
0: Billy Drago. Yeah, yeah. how could I forget that name?
1: Who's played very iconic horror uh, scenes as well, or like very iconic horror characters in the in the original. Um, uh hills have eyes Mm. he was also in the uh uh the new one as well or like the the first re-adaptation of it
0: he is huh
1: yeah he's the last guy who gets killed who opens the trailer and it blows up and shit
0: yeah he's like the leader of those guys right he has a very like yes a very dominant scary looking face his 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 facial structure is just like so sharp
1: very sharp. Very much reminiscent also, I guess, of the guy in Loose, uh, who's got this, like, yes. really sharp, steely look to him steely, that uh, yeah. is very menacing, you know, and kind of looks like a Rutger Hauer mixed with um, Billy Drago, I would say. But mm-hmm. that's why also that film is so great. But, uh, yeah, uh, fucking imprint. So uh, this guy, Billy Drago, goes to this uh, prostitution house to try and find a girl that he met. Uh, when he was on his travels uh, years past who he said he was going to return for Mm -hmm. and found out that she had been sold to uh, one of these houses. So he's been traveling around trying to find her because he's going to bring her back to America Um, and then just gets entangled in a terrifying ordeal and mystery.
0: Yeah, well, uh, he he runs into the disfigured woman who is telling him the story of what happened to her and where she's currently at. And I don't think she tells him she's dead from the beginning. Um, she just kind of starts leading her way into that. And then you come to find out that like, well, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but you come to find out that the woman who was telling him the story had something to do with her demise. Um, and part of that demise is when she's being tortured with that scene of, like you said, you had to look away almost because like it just escalates and escalates. Like first off, I don't remember what the first thing it is they do. They tie her up.
1: The first one is, tying her up and then they do the, the incense. Like they're almost like incense sticks yeah. or something. They
0: light a bunch of incense and, and just, they stick them in her armpits.
1: It's very comedic to the way he yeah. does it because he does that first incense stick and you're like, yeah. okay, that's not that. So bad. Like, and like, then ah. she goes away comes back with a bundle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she's just smiling each way. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then from it there hilarious from there they
1: again like you said gets worse and worse yeah
0: they open up her mouth and they just like i don't know what they do they put some sort of dental like contraption to keep her lips open
1: needles that they pierce in between
0: oh right i thought that they opened her mouth and then they put the needles but yeah so they use needles and they stick them right in that little tender spot between your lip and your (laughs) your gum and oh you could just imagine Getting a needle into that little section, I, I'll jab myself Absolutely. with my toothbrush and that shit fucking hurts, dude. It's like,
1: and then under the nail,
0: and then under the nail, yeah, under the nail, every and, single uh, nail.
1: Again, talking <laughs> about the sound design, she'll like play with the needle, and the the sound design will be of like what sounds like a nail being taken out of wood with yeah. a hammer, so it makes that really like sound. And and yeah, the, the woman's and just like doing that right before oh man it makes you it makes you cringe and
0: if you're hard. a fan of takashi miike you know how he gets with the gruesomeness and you he,
1: know how he fucks with people he
0: fucks yeah. with them heavy and he loves needles too so He has something about him just loves to use needles in his work too because going back to like audition totally. you know audition and
1: ichi the killer
0: yep yeah 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 um But yeah, Imprint, highly recommend that film to watch. It's very gruesome. Very short, too. I think it's like an hour long um, because it was part of a Showtime series, uh, The Masters of Horror. Um, The Argento one, that one's really good, too. Have you seen Jennifer?
1: No, I I still have yet to see that one, actually.
0: That one's really Um, fucking freaky.
1: I got to check out a lot of those ones. I also saw stills from a Carpenter one that he did called Cigarette Burns.
0: Oh, yeah, I think Um, I tried to watch that one. That one was a little drawn out. Okay. I, but, I want
1: to check that one because it has Norman Reedus in it. So I'm really interested.
0: <laughs> you'd like the, you movie. you like the Jennifer one because you like, obviously you like Argento, but then you like the going back to the Antichrist, the male and female like dominance dynamic in throughout of it. Like, do you know what the concept of that film is or the premise of the film? Rather? Uh-uh. Um, it's just about this man comes across this guy who's about to murder this woman and the woman is, like, shrouded a little bit. She's, like, obviously, like, hiding, like, for her life. And a man's about to shoot her, and the guy intervenes, stops the man, and then you see the, what the woman looks like, and she's her face is literally, like, a mutant, like, succubus. But something about her is, like, super Whoa. super alluring to the man. So he, like, takes her in because he feels bad for her. He's like, well you're going to kill her cause she's ugly. Like what? that's not a just cause to kill somebody. So he takes her in and he obviously starts getting closer to her, closer to her and then starts being sexually attracted to her. Um, the man has a wife. So he brings her into his household and she's like, well, everyone's horrified by her. Cause like if you see a picture of what Jennifer looks like, it's like a straight up succubus. Um, but he feels okay. bad for her too. But there is this weird essence to her because I think in one scene he, she kills like their family pet or something too. Uh-huh. but something about her just keeps drawing him drawing uh him to her. So he just can't like help himself for her. So it leads him to him leaving his wife and he goes on the run with her and they like start making love and then he gets more and more attached and she starts getting more erratic and being starting to kill more like actual people. And then you kind of start to see like why somebody was about to murder her in the first place. Yeah. Um you'll 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 dig it. It's a good interesting. Like, okay,
1: that's very Argento of Oh yeah. He, he subverts these sort of like mystery themes where it's a damsel in distress yes. being saved. And it turns out the damsel is actually fucking terrifying. Yeah. The yeah. Killer yeah. Herself. Ex- exactly. Like I love that shit. Um, he's really good at su- like, again, like subverting your, your, your initial reaction to it and conflicting yourself in a way that yeah. is like, damn, like you really feel for this person. And then it's like, damn, but they're the killer too. fuck. Like, yeah, I really wish you succeeded.
0: The way they do it, too, is because, like, the girl's, like, honestly, like, pretty hot, like, (laughs) body-wise, too. But just you can't get past that face. And then when they that first scene of them making love, you're like, oh, like, don't do it. (laughs) But then you're like, I kind of see why you're doing it.
1: That's very interesting. Okay. I will definitely check it out.
0: Yeah, check it out. I'm pretty sure you can find it online or something.
1: Um. Funny you bring up Argento because I I wanted to mention this specifically as it pertains to Loose because Loose reminds me there's a lot of aspects of Argento and Loose as well mm-hmm. uh, and I just can't get over that film um, <laughs> but another film that it reminded me of in a a pair of directors is the people who did the strange color of your body's tears Mm, yes uh the film "Let the corpses tan which came out last year 2017 uh so helene catette and bruno frisani they are the ones that remind me of
0: oh fuck okay i see what you mean that's jennifer
1: (laughs) dang that looks okay that's hella creepy
0: yeah
1: it's very interesting for Argento too, cause he's not, he doesn't particularly use monsters in his stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Fuck. Yeah. Um, sorry, but yeah, Helene Ketet, Bruno Farzani, strange color of your body's tears and, uh, let the corpses tan. same sort of idea of the comfortability and the exploitive genres uh, but also with music with colors, not afraid to go there in terms of the violence and the and mm-hmm. the, and the subverted themes, but also using this heavy sort of dream logic to center their films, I would say. um but loose definitely remind especially with the use of music in specific sequences, you know, and cutting it off very randomly. Uh,
0: just, yeah, I mean, just the entire sound design of Luce is pretty one of a kind too like the like the muffledness like you said of when he becomes possessed um yes and then or the um,
1: echoing of the women's voices the echoing, when they're saying certain lines
0: well the echoing of the guy um translating loose's evening back over to the psychiatrist just like uh, how he's okay. dubbing okay. it over for her you know and well, like well
1: i mean in the first sequence when Luce tells the guy is this how you want to live your life and it just like echoes?
0: Oh right 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 yeah yeah. Like
1: yeah. that. They do he, they do that a couple of, or he does that a couple of times throughout the film mm-hmm. the director.
0: Yeah, Luce was a top notch man. You listeners got to go check that out right now. Right now right now. Right demon
1: now. dine hunt.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> She's all like,
1: I love that demon, part. I'm hunt. <laughs> <laughs> She looks so crazy. It's so coked
0: out. I really love this, the set design, too, of that first uh, bar scene because it's like a, such a brightly yeah, lit brightly lit that. bar, you know? And then there's just that one guy in the background who kind of looks like he's dead or, like, he looks like his throat's been slit, But he's obviously just probably some drunkard. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, when they're having their conversation, there's just this guy in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just so brightly lit. Uh, they're doing coke <laughs> the whole time. And, like the drinks that they bring out or just these brightly colored, like tropical drinks almost too, but it seems like they're almost in like a subway station or something.
1: Or like uh, almost futuristic too. Like, yeah. Again, this very, uh, phantasmagoric aspect to it that you're not sure if it's like reality or a dream or is he imagining this too, Yeah. which all gives the possessive quality of the film a heightened effect that, uh, makes it brutal to be honest, because She's just plying him for with alcohol to get what she wants, you yeah, know? and I just love that beginning of like their exchange, how you know he hears her voice in his head first, she doesn't even speak, um and it does those really intimate close ups like they do in like a lot of giallo films too, mm-hmm. and um she's like the way she's just her body language even from all the way across the bar, and she's like. Leaning back really far, like thinking about what he's saying, and then like and, and then recites a question like a, like five seconds too late from what a normal conversation would be. You yeah, know? Like, like she's
0: almost like re- she almost picks on his un- uninterested vibe, but then it's still really persistent to get what she exactly. wants out of it.
1: Yeah, it's so, it's so strange that I, uh, again, I could talk about that film for hours because each scene, yeah, it, you just want to taste it, you want to like. Keep it locked there. Yeah, like I could, yeah. I don't know.
0: I think that's why it. it being so short, it makes it so much sweeter too. You know, you want yeah, you're absolutely. craving more of it too, but also that makes it so much more satisfactory too because you're just like ah, oh, like that was a really good film. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: And also that bar scene remind me a lot of Lynch too. Mm-hmm. Just like the quirkiness between the behaviors of the dialogue, the
0: bartender
1: the bartender looks really
0: like slick what
1: he never speaks to them she only speaks to him and at some point you don't even know what she's saying it just like sounds like she leans over to him yeah and he's just like
0: (laughs) that was very lynchian
1: i love that all of that stuff is very lynchian to me because again using this dream logic phantasmagoria to create heightened proportions like all of the films we've been talking about throughout this episode mm-hmm. yeah carry that same quality i would say
0: yeah i mean, i wanted to bring up another scene of loose that's was Lynchian to me too but we can keep going on and on about loose <laughs> but it we're at the uh hour and a half mark so uh I think oh perfect we should uh wrap this puppy up um any last suggestions you want to just shoot out for people to check out
1: um well yeah definitely don't look now nicholas roeg uh oh, 70s Horror film, uh, really, really great. It was a double feature with Wicker Man. Uh, There's a lot of resemblance, I think, to some modern horror uh, masters, like Ari Aster, for instance. Uh, So I highly recommend Don't Look Now, Nicholas Rugg.
0: Cool. Um, That's your only suggestion? That's it? You want to leave it at that?
1: I mean, I can't really think of
0: any others. Or Mandy, dude. Go watch Go watch fucking Mandy. If you
1: haven't seen Mandy... Go fucking watch. You're missing out on something Ooh. so fucking glorious.
0: So fucking cool. Literally one of the coolest films I've ever seen.
1: It, absolutely.
0: Just cool. It is, like, it's comedic. It's fucking in your face. It's visceral. It's the
1: rock opera you never wanted, but you <laughs> want to see all the time.
0: Yeah. Dude, Yeah, that's a great way to put it. 100%. I'm sorry. This is just, like, biting away. But the scene I wanted to talk about from Loose is when uh, – that he gets in the the woman's the redheaded woman's clothes and he, he's sitting in the back seat mm-hmm. and he keeps talking to her and he keeps cutting to just his chest you know like pointing yes, at her yes. and it's his chest so you know like he's the one interpreting it but then it'll cut back over to her face uh-huh. I just loved uh-huh. how he did that
1: absolutely that whole car scene is so well done it's hell just, yeah uh, the lighting especially just like these sharp contrasts when it comes to darkness and like either red or darkness and like a weird sort of even the part where he fucking where the the guy just streams through all the chairs and he's like throwing them to the
0: like, <laughs> Yeah, I, he's just I fed up that with that. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Uh yeah. Or even when she's like walking to the recreation of the possession and he like runs over there and is like getting out of the dress and stuff. It's like <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> some badass comedic film.
1: Comedic things too that again heighten the horror.
0: Totally. Um, so, yeah, just a couple of last suggestions. Uh, we didn't really get into it, but we've been... I mean, this movie's been in heavy rotation for me. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness, John Carpenter. Absolutely. Lovecraftian horror for those who like the Lovecraftian. Um, also, The Void, which is sort of Lovecraftian in that there's just this other cosmic mm-hmm. force. Um, and then there was another one. Um, oh, House of the Devil. Love that film, too. Ty West, the guy did the sacrament. Um he also did uh I forget which VHS um installment. But House of the Devil, badass homage to the eighties stalker films. Um yeah, so listeners, go check all these films out and uh get some culture in your life, dude.
1: Look out for the zines.
0: Look out for the zines, yeah. um and it's still fuck the police, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A CAB brother <laughs>
0: All right, listeners, thank you for listening. Share this episode, like this episode, give it a hug, give it a love, and um, we will see you some other time. We'll see. Oh, I'm possessed with sex. I am a sexual person, so are you. So are you.
1: Let's have say yes.